What's one thing that's missing from our society today? What's one thing that's missing in the lives of most believers today? We've got a a wide picture, and we're going to bring this back in. We're going to look at this as far as in in the realm of a believer. But I want you to think about that. What's one thing that's missing? As we've been talking on this series of going deeper, what is one thing that's missing? Give you a little background of kind of where how we got to today's message as we begin to wind down the Go Deeper series that we've been in January and February this year. As I began to talk to people that I know, that I respect, that are um, great men and women of God, I would go to them and I would say, the Lord has placed this subject on my heart that, that we're to go deeper. And I, a few months ago back, I think it was before Thanksgiving, I literally wrote on a piece of paper, go deeper with an arrow. Go deeper. And that's all I had. I began to pray and begin to think through and, and ponder what this series might look like. And so I began to ask people. And I'd say as a believer, as, as a child of God, what are things that we need to go deeper in? And as you've seen in this series, we've had five things that we've looked at. And people would say that we need to go deeper in prayer. And we need to go deeper in our study of God's word. We need to go deeper in our relationship with God. And I asked one man of God that I um, really appreciate. He's very disciplined. His name is Mark. And Mark is is an administrative pastor. He's not someone that would necessarily get up and preach and teach on a Sunday morning before congregation. But he's he's been the administrative pastor, worrying about all the other little things that um, need to happen so that church can continue to go on. Amen? And, and I asked Mark this question, and Mark threw me a curve, and Mark said that we need to go deeper in solitude. And I said, okay, because I wasn't expecting that, right? Because everybody else is in prayer, Bible study, going deeper in our relationship with God, going deeper in service and in giving. But he said we need to go deeper in solitude. And I began to ask him, I said, Mark, what, does that, what do you mean by that? And the example that he gave me is he said, God, he said, Chris, he said, there's no quiet in our lives today. He said that they did an exercise on the staff that he was a part of. And one of the fellow ministers that they said, okay, we're going to send you out. And for an hour and a half, you can't do anything. We just want you to be in silence. We want you to be quiet. And he said it wasn't 15 minutes later. He looked over there and one of the ministers was passed out. He was passed out. And as he told me this story, he said, Chris, he said, the problem is that he's so used to like, okay, I need to talk to this person. I need to make this call. I need to do this thing. I got to do this. I got to meet with lunch, go to lunch with this person. I got to have this meeting. I got to have this conversation. I got to study for this talk. And so he's always used to doing like this day in and day out. Amen. And when they told him, stop, he was tired. He was weary. And he needed rest. And so that's how we find ourselves here today is I want to talk to you on the subject of going deeper in solitude. And what's interesting, y'all, is is, is I I can't do this, right? I I want to, when I come and I stand before you, I like to show you the connections and and the connecting points that I've had during the week. Well, one of which is this song that we sang this morning, which was what? I will wait 
for you. I will wait on you. I will rely on your word. We had been doing this two nights on Sunday evening. But the day that we decide to do it on Sunday morning, last Sunday as we were rehearsing it, getting ready for this week, I looked at Cindy and um, Betsy, thank you. Too much going on in my brain. Cindy and Betsy, I looked at them and I said, y'all, I couldn't line this up if I tried. I said, you'll never believe what next Sunday's message is about. It's about solitude. It's about getting alone with God. And I said, this lines up perfectly. We couldn't have done that. Amen? They just said, hey, I've listened to this song. I really enjoy it. Let's do it on Sunday nights. Hey, now let's do it on Sunday morning. And it was like, wow, look at you, God. And so then this week, as I was thinking, I'm like, okay, what? how am I going to preach this? How am I going to teach this, God? What does this mean? And I want you to know that I went to have my teeth cleaned. Now, how does that play into solitude? Here's how it does. Here's how it does. Because every dental chair at the dentist's office that I go to, I sat down, and as soon as I sat down, the lady said, hey, the remote's right there beside you. And I said, solitude, being alone. We live in such a society that you can't even sit down to have your teeth cleaned without having a screen in front of you. The first thing I did was I flipped it to the news channel just so it was something that was going different, you know, changing up regularly. But I hit the mute button. Hit the mute button. But does that, that says a lot about us as a society, amen, that we are bombarded with screens from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, that you can't even go to the doctor's office. You can't even go to the restaurant because now some restaurants, that's how they want you to pay. You don't even get to really, the server's going to come and somebody has to physically still bring it to you, but otherwise, I don't, we're not going to pay them, we're going to pay a machine. We're staring at screens. There is no quiet. There is no silence in our lives. And so, like I mentioned, what have we looked at thus far? We've looked at, we've got to go deeper in our relationships with God and with others. We've, we've talked about going deeper in prayer, in our Bible reading and study, in our giving and our service. And today we will look at going deeper in solitude. So first we have to define what solitude is. What is solitude? Well, solitude, I looked it up, and so here's some key words that come up underneath the definition. Isolation, seclusion, withdrawal, privacy, and peace. But I thought this was interesting. I've never really seen it with any other word that I've looked up in the dictionary on my phone. It had this little box underneath, and it said, choose the right word. Choose the right word. And it had these words. It had solitude, alienation, desolation, disaffection, estrangement, loneliness, lonesomeness. But then listen to what it says. It says loneliness refers to a lack of companionship and is often associated with unhappiness. And it should not be confused with solitude. Because listen, solitude is the state of being alone are cut off from all human contact. See, you can be in the midst of a crowd of people and still experience loneliness, but not solitude, since you are not physically alone. In a similar way, if you enjoy being alone, you can have solitude without feeling loneliness. Amen. So this morning as we talk about solitude, we're talking about getting alone. We have to get alone with God 
and ourselves. You hear me say that throughout this message because as we began to as I began to ponder this and to pray this through and say, God, what do you want your people to see? What are you trying to say? And he's saying, you've got to get alone with me and you have to get alone with yourself. Because friends, you have to know who you are before you can help someone else. Amen? We, we're called to be disciples who make disciples. In essence, we're called to be students of God's word who make students of God's word. We're called to, to invest and, and, to, and to pour into and to lean into the lives of other people. And if we're going to do that, then we have to know ourselves. But we have to first get alone with God. I want you to turn over to the book of Psalms. I want you to turn over to the book of Psalms. I'm going to start in Psalm 46. And the thing I want to tell you about a message like this is we're talking about solitude. Is we're talking about getting alone with God. Getting away from the screens. Getting away from the hustle and bustle. Getting away from the busyness of life. We cannot preach and teach a message about getting alone with God without reading this verse. Psalm 46, verse 10. Many of you know it well. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. Be still. But see, I want to caution you there. That is exactly, that's what God's word says. Be still and know that I am God. That comes through being alone with him and and being alone from distractions. But can I give you a warning this morning as well? We have to get alone with God and ourselves, but we must never remain alone. We were created to commune with our Heavenly Father and to be a part of a community of believers. So there is a time in our schedule that we need to retreat, that we need to isolate ourselves, that we need to just go over and say, okay, I'm cutting the screen off and I'm I'm cutting uh, the TV off, I'm cutting my phone off, and and I'm just going to get with the Word or I'm just going to get in a place and I'm just going to be still. Friends, it's there in the stillness that that small, quiet voice of the Lord will speak into your soul, will speak into your life. He will remind you of a song that you've sung in church. He will remind you of a verse that you've read. I don't know if you noticed this morning, but uh, since we were using the, the screen, there's this thing, and it's called Bible Screen. And all it literally is is it's a service that a ministry puts out and around the clock, 24-7, whether it's on your phone or you can use it on your TV, you can use it on your computer screen. And it's just the Word of God being presented to people so that people can be reminded of who they are and whose they are and who's in control. But as we mentioned this morning, and and I think we kind of touched on this as the song we sang, that I will wait for you. Did you know, I want you to turn over to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. See, what was beautiful about the song that we sung this morning is that it was lifted right from the pages of God's Word. 
It is what the book of Psalms is all about. It was the original hymn book. It was the original devotional that the church had. As we talked about a few weeks ago, as we looked at Psalm 10 for two weeks, and I didn't know why we were looking at Psalm 10, but the reason we were is because why? The psalmists get real and get raw before the Lord. And they pour out their heart and they just say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. Will you smite this person? Will you do this? Does God have to do that? No. But they poured out their heart before him. They went deeper. They got past the surface, uh, the, the surface and the solid, uh, the, the pleasantries that sometimes that we bring before God. And they said, God, this is what I'm really feeling. This is what's really going on in my life. But look at Psalm 130. It says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the, whole, to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For the Lord, for with the Lord there is a steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Friends, this morning as we're talking about getting along with God, we have to be still and we have to wait. Upon the Lord. Amen. We have to rely in his word. We have to hope in his word. And we have to wait on him. Not to go off topic, but friends, there's a time to wait and there's a time to do. Amen. Sometimes people get in such a, oh, be still and know I'm God. I'm not going to, we're just going to be still. We're just going to be still. God calls us to be still. He does. But church, friends, He calls us to be his hands and his feet in a lost and dying world. As we, as a song that we referenced last week, we're all belly aching and complaining about God. Why don't you do something about this? And why don't you help these people? And why don't you help this group over there? And these people have a need and, and these people can't get what they need. And he's saying, I created you. Go. Be my hands, be my feet. That's why tonight as we look and have a brainstorming session of God, let's look outward. It's not about these four walls, amen? The church is not four walls. The church is the body of Christ. And what does the word tell us? It tells us that the word of God, that the church is, is like a body, that it's ears and eyes and nose and feet and elbows and knees. And, and y'all, each of y'all are like that. Each of you bring something unique. Each of you, God has brought through valleys that none of us can begin to imagine. Whether it's the death of a loved one or death of a child or, you know, getting the job that you've always dreamed for or seeing God use you in ways you never could have imagined and stepping into situations and, and seeing God move because as we talked about on Sunday night, comfortable people don't need Jesus. Amen? If they're comfortable and they're living in comfort, they don't need Jesus. Why? Because they can do it on their own strength. But it's when you step into the mess, it's when you step into a a difficult conversation, that's when you step in and you say, well, God, I need you to show up because I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to say. 
And friends, I challenge you this morning that one of the things that we have to start doing is that when people step into our lives and they have problems, we don't just look at them. Senior saints, listen to me. This is one of the things that's wrong with the church today. Don't look at them and say, oh, honey, God has a plan and it's God's will and God's way and and you just need to be patient. Man, take them to the Word. Show them where you find that. Turn to God's Word. Look, if you don't know, if you can't remember, praise God we live in the Google age. Amen? We do. If I can't remember a verse, I say, be still and know verse. Oh, that's Psalm 46.10. Okay, flip over my copy of God's Word, Psalm 46. Get me a straight edge. 46.10. Underline it. Right? We live in that age. Technology can be, just like anything in life, can be used for evil or used for good. Amen? Use it for good. It's there. Somebody else had the same question you did before. I use that all the time. I can't remember all the passages in Scripture. Some, sometimes I'll, uh, I'll look in the back in my concordance to try to find things, but I'll remember a nugget of wisdom, and so it's like, okay, I remember this verse says something about this, so I'll go, da 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 verse. Oh, that's in Luke's gospel. Okay, cool. Then I'll turn and I'll read around in Luke. But friends, when you step into those situations, point them to God. Pray with them. Amen. When somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, you know, I really got this burden. Uh, We got this surgery this coming week. And will you pray for me? And you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you walk out and you get to the buffet and there's so many choices and you just are so excited and you just make yourself happy and make yourself at home. And then it's like, what was I supposed to do? So why not take a moment and say, hey, you know, your daughter's got that surgery today. Can we pray for her right now? You don't have to pray a long, eloquent prayer. You can just say, simply say, Lord, will you pray for Susie? She's having surgery. I pray that everything go well. God, the doctor's hands. God, uh, be with those that are going to be tending to her and help her to heal. Amen. Right, pray for them in that moment. If you want to write it down, like somebody, our missionaries, a few weeks ago, the Mackies, they told me, you know, she'll say, they'll pray with people, but they'll write it down. And she'll say, I'll pray for you for a couple days. Right, because then what? Life happens and things go by. That also uh, gives me a point. You should, you should have a prayer journal, or you should journal at times. Right, because why? Because if you write down how you need God today, and that's how you're praying specifically. Can I tell you what I've seen happen? That, that time will go by, six months will go by, eight months will go by, a year and a half or two years will go by. And you'll be flipping back and you'll be reading through and you say, Oh, God, I prayed for a mentor. And you sent me one. Right? Because when we pray specifically, God answers specifically. Sometimes that answer is no, but sometimes he will answer, and it's in his time. So, friends, the point is, take people to God's word. Show them where you're getting your hope. Amen? Now, let me tell you what. So, we had Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. Then we had Psalm 130 that we were singing. It's like, okay, God, we're just going to stay in the Psalms. Right? Sometimes Paul says... In essence, that he wants to preach and teach God's word, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the power of the cross be lost. Amen? So it's not how eloquent I can be, but I want to saturate the messages I'm giving you all with God's word. Amen? Because that's where the power comes from. It's not how clever I can be. Now, sure, occasionally there's a nugget of wisdom that we throw out. Jesus is more than a resolution. He's a relationship. Amen? Why? Because those things help us to remember Help us to recall those things. 
But it's not about our cleverness. It's about how much we're going to lean on Christ. And so this coming week, this coming week, this past week, I have a friend who works with me. His name's Les. And Les, I walked in one morning. We were talking about something. We exchanged a few things about work-related. He said, come here. I want you to see something. And he had his Bible there. And he said, come here. I want you to see what I read this morning. I said, okay, cool. Let me see. What did you read this morning? So listen, he read Psalm 40. Go over to Psalm 40. And this is where he starts. He starts at the beginning. I said, Lord, how? Why? We're talking about solitude. Less is in his quiet time. Less shares this with me. Psalm 40, listen to what it says. It said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. And he set my feet upon a rock. That rock is Jesus making my steps Secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many will see and fear and be, and put their trust in the Lord. Wow. I waited patiently for the Lord. Be still. What is, so what have we talked about this morning? Be still. Rely on His Word and wait. But friends, there needs to be some solitude. There needs to be some silence. And you might just be like that other minister to where whenever you start to exercise this, whenever you start to say, okay, Chris says that in my walk with Christ that there should be some solitude. And you might sit down tomorrow afternoon and say, okay, God, I'm going to devote this time to you and I'm going to be quiet. And you turn everything off and you get still. And the next thing you know, And you've gone to sleep. Well, praise God. We're to rest. Right? We're to rest in Him. But listen. Les also shared about how, and I saw this morning, Les talked about how the other day he stepped out in his yard and in the midst of everything going on, the busyness of life and people all around him, he had read, read, from, his, read from the Word and stepped out into his yard and he said, I heard the birds. And, and I just heard nature. And I was reminded, as, as Taylor prayed too, of God's creation. That as he stepped out into that, that in those moments, he was reminded of the God who loved him. Go back and read Psalm 40. Great truth. Verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. I challenge you this morning, friends, that sometimes, you know, we say that we're welcoming, that we want to be a welcoming church. Oh, Bible Fellowship is a welcoming church. Okay, is it? I don't know. That's for, that's for each of us to assess. Because sometimes we think we're friendlier than we are. Amen? And from up here, sometimes, you know, what does he say? What's the psalmist saying? He's saying that, that those who seek you, may they rejoice and be glad. And, and they love the salvation and say continually, great is the Lord. And friends, sometimes, some Sundays, and not just here. Let me back up. Other places I've preached. 
it looks like that people have sucked on lemons, right? Where is the joy of the Lord? Now, sure, not every week we're going to be bubbly and shouting from the mountaintops, but that's why you come to church, amen? To be reminded of who is your rock, who is your strength, who is your source of truth. And you come to church to encourage one another, amen? So as I was reading this week, as I was studying and preparing for this message, I ran across an article that talked about silence and solitude. And what was interesting was, basically to give you a background of the story, this writer kind of was studying about solitude. He was studying about silence. And he said, okay, what would it be like to be a monk? What would it be like to be a monk? So he began to inquire. So he got invited to a monastery. And he was going to get to go to be with the monks and to live with them for a few days. Let me share a few things that he shared in his article. He said, I was reluctant in retrospect because of the premium put on the idea of silence. Silence made me drowsy. It implied deadness a lack of activity, and an emptiness over which boring hung in the flashing lights. But silence is a poor adjective to describe the monastery. The dramatic skyscrapes skyscrapes, and rustic beauty of the canyon created a splendor that was intensely dynamic. The soundtrack, the chanting, the church bells, bugs and birds chirping in every direction... Even the sounds of the monks blowing their noses blended as moments to be meditated upon. Monks need to blow their noses too. He went on to say, then it hit me. Silence better described my life outside the monastery than the life of the monks. I stare into screens for hours, often lonely and isolated. I live in a crowded Cutthroat city where a famous resident once advised, if you want a friend, get a dog. For all the loud happy hours and decadent dinners, it is well known, listen, that people are starved for connection. Sick of sacrificial or superficial small talk and living like strangers afraid to say what they really feel and who they really are. He closed with these words. He said, With the world at my fingertips, with freedom to change careers, entertainment on demand, time to pursue my passion, I often feel trapped and in need of an escape. While walking through the monastery, I thought of the place I spend my time and wondered, what do I do all day? Wow. What a powerful lesson from this man who was studying Solitude and studying silence. And he realized that what seemed on the outside like boring, that the monks really had it well. Amen? Because they had time alone with the Lord. So as we preach, as we teach, as we talk about going deeper in solitude, how can you go deeper in solitude? Really quickly, I wasn't going to share uh, the majority of these. I ran across another article. But before I share that article, I want to challenge you with this thought from Francis Chan. 
It is important to remember that we must not measure our spiritual health by people around us who are pretty much like us. Right? Stop comparing yourself to the wrong standard. You should not compare the person to the person next to you in the pew or somewhere else in this church. Our standard is Jesus Christ. Jesus had to get alone. Amen? In the Garden of the Gethsemane, before he knew the cross was coming, he got alone with his heavenly Father. So I challenge you this morning to get alone with God. And so what are some ways that you can do that? Well, I ran across an article that was called Eight Steps to Meeting God in Silence and Solitude. And they're practical applications taken from a book called Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Experiencing God's Transforming Presence. Listen to how the article opens. The spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude may be quiet, but they're also full of adventure. Because God himself is waiting to meet you there. Whenever you get away from the noise and the busyness of life to encounter God through silence and solitude, he'll change your soul in ways that go beyond words. So here are a few ways that you can use silence and solitude to grow closer to God. Listen, pay attention to what's stirring in your soul. Pay attention to what's stirring in your soul. Notice the feelings of desperation and desire that you experience at various times. Instead of trying to suppress or run from those feelings, let them motivate you to pursue time with God in silence and in solitude. The next thing, how can you go deeper in solitude? You can incorporate silence and solitude into your life regularly. Listen, this gives me hope, and I hope it gives you hope too. Choose a regular time and place to get away from life and spend at least 10 minutes in silence and solitude as often as you can. I'm not saying that you have to go away and be like this guy who went to the monastery and live in silence for two or three days. Amen? Maybe your goal is, okay, Chris, when I leave here today, and and this is what I want you to begin to think about, is we preach and we teach. There are next steps that you need to take. And as the Holy Spirit leans into your spirit, and as he whispers, maybe the thing is, okay, Chris said ten minutes, but I want to start with five. Praise God. Make that a goal. Start for five minutes. Right? I can't set your own um, pace and goals. That has to be set by you. But find time to get alone with God, to turn off the devices, to turn off the TV, to just to not worry about anything else. Maybe take the phone off the hook if you still have an old phone at home and just get alone. Get alone. The other thing is, I'm not going to read all eight of these, but seek rest for your body, mind, and soul. Pray for the wisdom you need to recognize when you become dangerously tired, exhausted by life's demands to the point where you can hear God's voice speaking to you. Accept God's invitation to rest in His presence during solitude and silence. Listen to this. Rather than showing up tired for your special meetings with God, give your body rest that it needs by getting enough sleep and exercise, eating well and drinking water regularly. Right? We only have one body, and our body is decaying. 
Amen. Thank God that we, we have a new body waiting on us. Well, we have one body. Why not take care of it? Eat well, sleep well, exercise. That's important. While you're spending time in solitude and silence, take deep breaths and let the peace of God's presence fill your body. Ask God to help you quiet your mind and listen to Him with your spirit, trusting that He will respond to your prayer by speaking to you. I'll share the article on our Facebook page. But I just want to close with this. As I sat down last week and I read through my devotional book, I shared a passage from that last week. As I sat down last week after church, I read these words. And I hope that you're encouraged by them as well. Especially, think about now. Think about all January and February, all these two months, we've been talking about going deeper, right? In our relationships with God and with others and prayer and giving and service and our studying and reading of God's Word. Listen, as we continue to seek ways to serve our Creator, we will undoubtedly experience our fair share of disappointments. Detours, false starts, and failures. When we do, we must not become discouraged. God's not finished with us yet. The old saying is as true today as when it was first spoken. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. We're all headed somewhere in life. And as wise travelers... You must rely on the guiding hand of the master, navigator, to lead us in the right direction and down the right path. And that navigator, of course, is your heavenly father. So my challenge to you this morning is as we opened, as we talked about going deeper in silence and in solitude is listen, that we have to get alone with God and ourselves. But we must not remain there. Why? Because we were indeed meant to commune with our Heavenly Father, but we were meant to be a part of a body. A body of believers. A community of believers. And can I tell you something about community? Community is messy. Amen? People are going to get their feelings hurt. People are going to be misunderstood. People are going to be pushed away when they really should be pulled in. But how will you go deeper? How will you go deeper? I hope you'll join us as we pray and as we sing. And just use these few minutes to reflect not only on today's message, but on the messages we've been preaching. And how is the Lord calling you to go deeper? Is it to spend 10 minutes in silence? Is it to be a part of a Bible study? Is it to find new ways to serve Him? I don't know, friends. That's between you and the Lord. So now, as we enter this time to sing our song, it's time to do business with God. So look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And just ask Him what
what your next step might be.